left, Jess on his right. Hey, hold up, don't start a fight. He's got you covered with all the sports. Don't fret, he's wearing shorts. It's time for Waking Jake in the morning. Waking Jake at night. Jake sucks. Good morning, Bakers. Good morning, Jake. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Wake and Jake, the midweek edition. We are still heavy baseball. I'm going to be honest with you people. I don't have the heart to sink my teeth into college football or pro football yet, although it, it can, it's on the horizon. Yesterday, and I don't know if many people know this holiday, Monday and Tuesday combined to be the Are We Doing Fantasy Football Day of the Year. Mm. I got texts from old people, new people. People were talking in the office. Do you want to be in this league? Do you want to do that? It was nuts. Uh, The fantasy football apocalypse is upon us, um, and I am a part of that as I am heading to outside of Austin this weekend. Ooh, this weekend's the one. This weekend, yes. So that's... uh, it's my my annual fantasy football golf competition that uh, almost just like tore up my wrists and shoulders last year because we tried to get so much golf in. We played four rounds in three days. Um, that this year I was stoked. I was like, "Oh, we're only we're only playing two rounds. Friday, Saturday, Bing Bong, perfect. My body will hold up for that." We just decided to sneak in a, a Thursday round when I land. So uh, it'll be three rounds in three days, but I I do love it. I you can still, obviously still better than last year. <laughs> still better than the four on the body. Still better than the four, and we walked one of those rounds. Uh, so I'm excited for that, and I'll be in the teeth of fantasy football. I'll probably be doing my research on the flight in. Uh, so this weekend I was doing some driving, and I I was on like normal sports radio, and they were doing fantasy, and I was like, oh, yeah. I'll I'll listen to this. Oh man, it's like oh, I guess I'm ready. And dude, the other thing, Matthew Barry started a new thing. He's no longer with ESPN, so like the fantasy football landscape's kind of wide open. I guess early bake the algorithm comments. Tell me where you get your like fantasy football stuff. Because I mean, Matthew Barry's the guy, and I think he's starting a new thing. But I didn't know like where to find that. You talk. There was someone at our John Boy Media party that was like Matthew Barry's like handler. Mm. Anyways. Um, we'll look Looks like he's going to NBC. Okay. I don't know. I'm guessing, guessing that's where you find him. NBC sports. See you there. Um, last night went to the Yankees game. Sales Born team was hosting. Denver, huh? Sales team was hosting some of our, uh, partners. Uh, Matthew <laughs> Barry has a couple good stories. I think he was in LA when LA was still like wild, wild west. Um, him and Chris Parnell, you know, him from a lot of SNL skits and just a kooky character in TV shows. They worked at FAO Schwartz, the kids' kids store together. Huh. <laughs> just when, like, when L.A. was just like that. Um, went to the Yankees game last night. Uh, Joe's McFly, uh, sales team, uh, a, lot of our, a lot of our awesome partners. Uh, Muggsy, Cushy, Shady Rays. I think we had a few other there. Uh, I mean, always an awesome time. It's at Yankee Stadium. Nice night. I was a little worried. August, no, it was beautiful. You've had like a week of nice weather. Yeah, it's turning. It was it's horrible turning. for it was many bad for weeks. a while. Uh, man, the Yankees, they don't really score again. They technically score. They score a run on an infield chopper to Yanni Diaz that he couldn't field cleanly. So, infield hit. Uh, but yeah, that's one run in three games. And again, that run, like, Benatendi hit a triple that took a crazy ricochet off the wall to make it a triple. So, like, their offense is really not clicking, and they called up some of their young player prospects. Estevan Florial should play some outfield. Um, you know, the Yankees have Stanton and Carpenter on the IL. Harrison Bader they traded for also on the IL. Aaron Hicks uh, was kind of given another opportunity, and it just hasn't happened. Uh, it's been it's been bad. 
Uh, so they're going to call up Florio, the kid, uh, who's been struggling recently, but had a nice year in AAA. And then... Uh, At least speed and defense. It looks like they've phantom IL'd Clay Holmes, who gave a press conference while smiling and said his back didn't feel great. Gave a hoodie Glaber tweet saying, like, this is what you'd start an acting class with and say, don't do this. Right. You'd be like, hey, if we... If we do this, like, don't, just don't have a weird grin on your face and 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 be kind of... I just got to keep it moving. Bitch, you're lying. Uh, whatever, they're bringing up Ron Marinaccio. He should have been on the team anyways. So it, so it, Florial Marinaccio for presumably a DJIL and Clay. So that's where the question gets. And I, I mean, it's that's kind of the heavy Yankee stuff. And we do have Jerry Blevins joining us in a minute. I just told him to come in. Because uh, the Mets are calling up a big prospect too, and it's Yankees Mets times, and I and now I kind of want to talk Phantom play next week. I kind of want to talk Phantom IL with Jerry, um, but yeah, and then they also call up uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. You might have heard the name Oswald Peraza a lot, and that was coming into the season. The Yankees had two middle infielders who were supposedly kind of climbing the ranks of Yankees prospects and looking to be good. Um, and Oswaldo Cabrera is a year older. Um, and he's a little more versatile, I believe. He plays some third base and second base. Well, he can play shortstop. I think Peraza, like they, they have a mess around there because in the minor leagues you just have guys play a little bit in different places, but I think Cabrera's known to be like, he's going to be a guy who will play every position if so, he's in the big leagues. So I think the big thing with the Yankees is they are 2-8 and eight in their last 10, and they're just scuffling, losing three straight again. Tampa's within nine games. I know that's not really a thing, but Dan Allen Rourke, who's, you know, the pulse, uh, he said if a team gets in within eight, you get a little, just a little more nervous. Um, you have to start tracking them again. And they just didn't need to do this. And and Joe's McFly had some great points last night, you know, why, you know, the Yankees kept leaning on the fact, even though they're playing terrible that, uh, you know, they're keeping pace with the Blue Jays. And Joe's is like, who cares? Blue Jays are mid. Why are we... Why do we want to keep pace with them? Worry about the Astros. Worry about the best teams in baseball, including the New York Metropolitans. So, um, I think uh, I think Jerry's on his way. Uh, I think so. And, yeah, I'm excited. Excited to talk some Metropolitans. You know, the Yankee Stadium ended up just being sad last night. Um, it's been a sad couple... It's been a sad couple weeks. Um, not even not even spoiled Yankee fan stuff. I'm normally the first person to throw that term out um, about how Yankee fans can be spoiled and obnoxious about winning or being 500 or their bullpen. But it's been rough, Jerry Blevins. Number one Bengals fan in the world. We were just talking... Did you uh, did you celebrate yesterday or Monday's holiday? The the are we doing our fantasy football league again holiday? Uh, <laughs> I haven't. Jolly okay. sent me a uh, text saying we're going off in the Slack channel about who we're going to do what. Uh, I don't know if I have time to participate this year, but it is definitely that time of year. Like, when are we going to draft? What are we going to yeah. do? I I got I. Not even in a cool way. This obviously isn't braggadocious, but just like I did, I do four leagues. Like two of them, I'm kind of passionate about. Two of them are just with buddies, and it's a good time. So I'm you roped in every year. I'm not going to say no to the draft. But then, yeah, I got like two extended invites, both yesterday, and I was like, no, like no, no. I know how that ends. It's not going to be a good time. Um, Jerry, how you doing, dude? I'm good, man. I, I wore a collar today. It was it's wow. well dressed Wednesday for you. I know. I think I think I have an outfit I'm throwing on here in a little bit. Um, you know, a couple sp- sponsors, partnerships. It's not a big deal. Could you could you oh. say it's modeling? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, Jared, I want to. I thank you for coming on. I want to talk. My some, pleasure. I'm honored. I want to talk some Mets, some Yanks, some baseball. Uh, the one I just stumbled into, and I don't know if you saw the press conference. Yankee fans were calling for it. It's a weird thing in baseball that I think is real and should probably be acknowledged more and maybe will be in future years. 
I think the Yankees just phantom IL'd uh, Clay Holmes. And, uh, Jerry, I don't know if you... The press conference was kind of comical because he's a, he's a big Southern dude. I, I think he's a Bama guy. And he's just kind of got a, a smile across his face. And he's like, yeah, I was, uh, I was throwing and my, my back locked up a little bit. So I'm going to the IL. <laughs> and it was like, okay. Uh... It doesn't look like Clay Holmes is going to be doing any Broadway plays soon. Like he uh, wasn't much of a poker face. Is that a uh, is that more prevalent or less prevalent than than fans probably want to believe it is? Uh, I think it's I think it's a little bit more prevalent. I I don't understand why it has to be hidden. Maybe because the stigma that goes with the mental break. Right. But you can go on the IL the injured list with confidence issues. I think it should be understood that he's working through some things some mechanical issues some mental flaws like finding the strike zone being confident that is a real thing that that you can struggle through so maybe it's a maybe again if it's a confidence issue of him not wanting to come out and say yeah I just got to work on some mental stuff uh and they're like my back did it and so putting him <laughs> out there to say uh, my back hurts I guess like that's that's pretty rough but uh yeah I think they should be a little bit more open to allowing guys to to try to find their confidence, right? Like that, now yeah. that I think about it, it, I I guess there used to be the old vision of just lying about an injury and how that's that's bad or shameful, and and it kind of is. But I mean, isn't <laughs> like going through a funk in a way, like you know, fifteen day IL in a funk? Like I'd be <laughs> fine with that. I mean, it's it's forthcoming. I think it should be like, hey, we're just trying to get this guy right without sending him or optioning him down. We need to get him on a, a, a mental break. So I think it should be within the, the realm of like the rule book. I think it's probably the reason they have to say a physical injury is because it's just written somewhere in right. MLB's rule book. But yeah, man, open it up to get with the times here. Jared, let's enough enough about the Yankees. Nobody cares. Stop it. It's a Mets town. Um, your New York Mets, man. I let's start with painting the picture the right way because amazing season, um, incredible. Buck, I texted you late night, and you had to ask what it meant because <laughs> I was I was just in a late night Yankees funk. I texted you this wouldn't happen under Buck at eleven forty five p.m. Um, Kind of not mid-conversation, just like me getting it off my chest. The The Yankees losing streak was just, I mean, it was everything. It was everything that uh, the dog days are about. Like, mental mistakes, bad base running, like, uh, guys not in the lineup. Guys not taking phantom IL trips, but uh, making sure they're right. Which hopefully come October, you know, Anthony Rizzo saying, yeah, I... I can play, but I'm 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 not because my back's a little banged up. You hope that stuff pays off in the long run, but it it just there was times when me and Joe's were looking at each other like this doesn't happen to a Buck Showalter team, and it hasn't. Um, but uh, also in just the past two days, and how quickly baseball can turn, the Braves kind of took their their first big swing. So uh, and then top prospect Brett Beatty gets the call. It's like. I mean, the, the NL East is happening right now, Jerry. Oh, man, it's happening. We, we knew the Braves were a really, really good team. I would say still a great team. And, and judging by uh, Jeff Passan's tweet, your boy Passan, about uh, how many guys they've got locked up for the next six, seven, eight years, looks like they're going to be great for a while, man. Uh, Soroka's on his way back. Uh, Freed is probably going to come off the concussion uh, list here soon. Uh, they're good, man. And we know how good the Marlins pitching is. Uh, it's just a good, fun league. And the Mets right now are uh, in it, kind of like the Yankees, man. Every I care about the Yankees. Sure. New York is awesome. Uh, being in the city when both teams are good is just different, man. It, it just feels incredible. Uh, but they're, they're now reliant upon the Scherzer DeGrom top two because they lost Carrasco and they lost Taiwan Walker. They both came out of the game mm. after two innings of the first two games of this set. So it's going to be interesting, man. Man, that's uh, how funny it just turns, man. You know, that this Mets team, you give them so much credit because they were out Scherzer and DeGrom. It kind of like in control of the NL East, like throughout. I, I mean, 
pretty much. The the Braves scuffled for a little bit. Uh, the Phillies kind of were coming back. I know I know Moylan was getting Philly fever a little bit. Uh, he's getting he gets a lot of different fevers, but um, I I don't know. It, it's it's funny that now here we are, middle of August. Scherzer, Degrom are back. Um, it's three and a half games, and hey, like uh, the Mets took care of their business at home versus the Braves. Now uh, the the Braves seemingly will taking taking care of some sort of business. I, I know Scherzer's on the bump tonight, so you hope you know that's that's a good way to make it four and a half instantly and be like, we got this guy. Yeah, that's kind of where the the Mets are at because I also have Phillies fever. I think they're the real deal without uh Bryce Harper. They've been doing this. They have Zach Wheeler, who is a true ace in this game. There's very few of them. And uh Aaron Nola looks every bit that return to form. He's been absolutely nasty. So anybody that's that good offensively that has those top end starters can do some real damage. Um, but this is for the Mets where Max Scherzer has to step up, man, because the, the bullpen is shot. Mm. They're going to, they lost their two starters after two innings. This is where Scherzer's like, all right, I got 125 pitches. I'm going to go at least seven innings, hop on my back. And this is a tough, a tough ask because this, this Braves offense is the real deal, man. Uh, but this is what you pay him for. This is why you gave him uh $258 million a year. <laughs> to step in and do this. So he's he this is him and and he stepped up to the plate each and every time he's he's been asked to do something special. And and plus the extra money coming over from the Nationals so that makes it uh, you know 260 268 something like that. Um <laughs> man who was a uh, if if I say Jerry jump in jump into your playing days who was the guy that like that Scherzer ask the dude the pen's pretty wiped. <laughs> you got to give us like 7.2 tonight and give us a performance. Who, who's like the guy that you jump to either playing with or playing against? So um, there's two names that I played against that jump out to me. Um, early uh, Felix Hernandez in mm. Seattle, like the days of Kings court was incredible. That guy was on another level. Uh, and then Justin Verlander, who's doing it again <laughs> at 39 coming off TJ. That guy was always like capable of throw. He, he would throw, into the 110s every single start. And it was awesome be- to watch him because he would throw like 93, 94, and then a runner in scoring position. And then he would just throw 99 again. So he was like conserving it and then would just let it eat at the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Uh, Scherzer's very capable of that. Uh, I expect him to do that. And then the one guy for me, obviously, uh, playing with Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Uh, is incredible. That guy can do many things. They won't let him do it this year because obviously it's it's not worth it because they're looking for October. Uh, and he's been, you know, his injury history is quite well known. But him, playing with him was special. And to see how deep he can go uh, and how easy he can make things look uh, was was incredible. Yeah, the, the Verlander thing, uh, you know, Jimmy says it openly, like he's my favorite pitcher to watch when when he's right. Um, you know, especially when baseball turned to all high fastballs and he was the high fastball guy, like it was just impressive. And I think something, and you know, as we figure out pitch counts more and how these guys can do it right. And I I think it's funny this year, remember that was one of the conversations the first week of the season, like starting pitchers were pitching deeper again. It was like, okay, baseball was kind of correcting itself. Verlander was such a problem and is such a problem, like on the best team in the American League and the best pitcher. Uh, and that those extra 10 pitches or so, because everyone has 100 circled. I don't know if it's just because Americans are lazy or whatever it is, but we've had that 100-pitch circle number circled for years. Verlander, with that extra little 10, 15-pitch buffer, you know, you'd have him 75 pitches through four or something like that, and you'd be like, okay. Like, you know, if we have a if we have an inning here, we might be able to get him out in the fifth. And then he'd have like that seven pitch inning. And you'd go, Oh no, this guy can go eight all of the sudden. It's um it's something as they rework the starting pitching. I think being able to do that, it can change a game and it can save the bullpen, which has become so much of baseball. Yeah, I think uh I think with the new evolution of uh, the rules on how often they could send a guy down, how many times, five, 
five up downs yeah. for bullpen guys, I think you're going to see teams start to rely, especially even towards the back end of their rotation, guys that can just eat up innings. Yeah. Those 200 inning marker guys are going to become more valuable because you need a guy to be able to just go six strong, seven strong when need be. And then obviously the top end guys are going to let them their leash go a little bit that third time through the order. I think the, the Rays, they'll figure out a way They're the I don't know how they do it, who they have on their team. I just know they're going to be good. Um, but I'm worried about them in the long term because I don't know how sustainable their, their shuffling of the bullpen rotation uh, is going to be when they limit those, uh, those shifting of minor league guys. Yeah. That's always been a, John's, John's thing, and he's he's currently right, and he should be right again with the other teams this year. But the Rays' way hasn't been proven to win the whole thing. Uh, which hey, uh, they were an expansion team. I you know I lived in Denver for a while. My Rocks haven't had a ton of success. Like the success the Rays have had is very impressive in a lot of ways. But yeah, I mean it. It seemed in their one world their World Series run. They recently they they ran out of the the pitching depth a little bit. Um, I don't know. Rays, they Rays. forced themselves out with Blake Snell. Oh, They're like, you're out. God. Rays are going to raise. I, I've, I've been getting excited for the Padres. I guess, <laughs> Jerry, let's, let's open it up to the National League just a little bit. Cause I, dude, the pod, you mentioned the Padres and the Phillies. I feel like those teams, if they were in the American League, we'd be saying like third best team. Like, are they challenging the Yankees in, in Houston? Like, that would kind of be the conversation. The National League right now is brutal, man. I mean, uh, the Braves and the Mets, the Central, the Brewers and the Cardinals, one of them has to figure it out, you'd like to think, or it could just be an ugly Midwest slog a little bit, which I'd respect. But coming into this year, the Brewers starting pitching, the Cardinals have like the storylines and the young talent. Either way, I, I guess where do you currently rank out the the National League teams yeah I mean uh the Dodgers obviously are still number one I think their record proves it uh they've been incredible I do think that the Mets like as a team I think are more complete if you know obviously with Carrasco and Taiwan Walker coming back but with Edwin Diaz at the back of the bullpen Scherzer and DeGrom in there and Pete Alonso and Lindor uh in the three and four slot of your lineup I mean, it's incredible. But so those are my top two teams with the Braves right behind them at at the strong three, the number three. And then I would say that the Phillies are number four for me because, again, I love the top end of their starting rotation. That's what wins championships. And then they have an absolute masher of a lineup. Uh, And they've been playing better defense. Like they've been starting to make it manageable at least – it's it's pretty interesting. And then I think that the Padres are right there. We talk about their starting pitching. Obviously, the Fernando Tatis Jr. news is wild. Uh, you guys have exhausted it and talked about it. Uh, as, a, as a former player, it's very disappointing. Uh, either he took it to cheat or he was just ignorant about it and immature. Either way, it's a it's a big time, you know, disappointment. Uh, but I still like their starting pitching. I still love their their bullpen, uh, especially since they got Hater. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think I think from there, I still like the Giants to do something here. Yeah, you uh, think they got it? You they're think they not got done. The, okay. We talk about the Rays, uh, Farhan Zahidi, yeah. and those guys know what they're doing. Gabe Kapler, that team is incredible. They're smart. And they proved it last year that they don't need our approval to be a good baseball team. So I think they, they're still in contention. Man, and what if they turn it on? Let's see. Two against Arizona, three at Colorado, two at Detroit. Um, if they can get a little heater, that's, uh, you know, a lot of people ask us with talking baseball and everything else, you know, what, what are you rooting for or whatever. And usually this time of year, the word that comes out is chaos. And if the Giants... I want one team to be the chaos team, whether it's the Giants. Maybe the Orioles have already been the chaos team in the AL. Uh, the tweet that our graphics, our social media te- team puts out that just has chaos and the Baltimore Orioles logo, our mascot, it cracks me up every time. Um, and I, I wonder that the other team, the two kind of parallel teams in the AL and the NL at the deadline were the Red Sox and San Francisco. 
Um, you know, both teams. San Francisco won a buck eight last year, a buck seven, like a <laughs> crazy an all time year. Red Sox went to the ALCS. I, I mean, they were they were dancing, and then both teams at the deadline. Uh, the Red Sox retooled. Uh, you know, I think the parts going out and parts going in were were probably similar. Uh, where the Giants, they, they kind of stood their ground. Like, Rodon, those rumors got sexy for a little bit. Jock Peterson and what he could have become in trade deadline lore if, if he went on the move again. Um, I like that, Jerry, because I, I guess I haven't seen the Giants enough. They're winners of five in a row, by the way. And again, the schedule gets a little better. But they have to be a team, and that's where, when they started getting mentioned at the deadline... I kept talking myself out of Rodon being on the trade block and Jock Peterson because how could you be in that front office? How could you be on that team and say, we were able to do that last year? We have that in the tank. Like, why would we punt away from that? Where there's a chance. There's always that chance in baseball. And, man, that would be the perfect little sprinkle on top for the National League this year. I I think you nailed it. So this is – I got to be in spring training with the Giants – um in 2020 right before the pandemic hit those guys are special Farhan Zaidi and I came up together with the Oakland A's organization we were kind of like I I have so much respect for him and what they're doing over there they actually I guarantee you that they took into account what the players in the locker room would say if they traded away Carlos Rodon because they have uh the really intelligent smart you know, he's an MIT guy, Farhan. Uh, they have all Ivy League guys, but they also have baseball people in there that have played, that that they take into effect, that if they traded away one of those big guys, they're going to lose all the respect in the clubhouse, yeah. uh, maybe for a while. And so I'm sure they said, hey, man, there's not the what we would gain in prospect or whatever the case may be is not worth what we would lose in the clubhouse. And so those guys are like, hey, that we didn't, you know, they traded Darren Ruff to the Mets, and that's a big piece. But they they have guys that they think can fill that role. I'm very impressed with what the Giants did, and not trading them was strategic. And so I think they they have a little bit more of a push now in that clubhouse because the front office says, hey, we believe in who we have. Let's go, boys. And man, I I it, it's why I probably well I won't be in a front office yet. I keep saying my retirement job is either in the D backs or the Rockies front office. Uh, Sedona or the Rocky Mountains and just come in for some homestands and, you know, tell tell guys how to bunt and they're just like, get out of here, dude. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine if they had traded away Jock, Rodon, whatever else, and you have to tell, like, Brandon Crawford and Evan Longoria and Brandon Belt, like, you basically lost one more summer in the sun. Instead, you get two months to try to, like, squeeze it all out and Brandon Webb shoving again and Rodon like talk about you know at the Phillies are awesome they they really are especially without Bryce and how the high level talent on that team is as good as any other team's high level talent for the most part you know the Giants that offense still just doesn't have the sex appeal but they get it done and a lot of good at bats and like Wilmer Flores, like, go look at that dude's baseball reference, man. Like, that dude's a great baseball player um, that I wouldn't want to see Rodon and Webb in a three-game set. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I think that's the perfect comparison. With We talked about the Phillies with Nola and, and Wheeler. I think Rodon, who proved me wrong, I didn't think he was this guy or it was sustainable. Um and so he proved, you know, a lot of people wrong that he could do this. And this wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. He's a, incredible. Logan Webb, like, as you said, has, has struggled a little bit when he first came out of the gate, but he has found it again. Uh, and they're the real deal. Wilmer Flores, you know, having played with him for a long time, that's the guy that as a lefty, I literally in spring training, when he would step in to face me in those live BPs, I was like, no, nah, dude, I'm not throwing you a pitch. You hit every single thing that I throw, no matter where it is, you crush me, get out of the box. This is about my confidence, go away. And so I would literally kick him out because that guy rakes, dude. He rakes. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, his his past few years, all, all he kind of done is, is hit. He's got... Yeah. It, you... I'll tell you what, though. He is the... He's the slowest guy that looks like he should be a fast guy. Yeah. (laughs) He's an awesome, uh, great clubhouse guy, but uh, he looks like a speedy second baseman type. 
uh, with, he runs like a Flintstone. His feet just don't move. You're like, man, why do you look fast and you're slow? It's crazy. You, you see the second base next to someone and you're like, oh, you must run pretty well. And it's like, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> hey, may, maybe that's changing. I know uh, DJ LeMahieu's speed is, is taking a different route. But, hey, if you pick it over there, uh, 804 OPS in the last four years for Wilmer Flores. That's, I, I mean, people just don't think of him like that. They think of, like, the Mets kind of. Floating around the infield, guy, couple hits here and there. He's he's been good. He's got a he's got an over a hundred in every season since 2016. He has an over a hundred OPS plus. Yeah, that's. I mean, again, that's what the Giants do. They identify guys that are underappreciated and supplement them with guys that they think they can have a resurgence in their career. Doing what they've done with Longoria, Belt, Crawford, like it's wild what they can do. Let's go back to the Mets, Jerry, because you, you mentioned very casually the, the one and two teams are the Mets and the Dodgers right now. It's not a conversation. The Mets have been so, so good. Scherzer DeGrom, if you want to talk about, <laughs> you know, if you like Webb and Rodon, I, I got something else you might like. It's, it's insane that, that those guys are ready to go right now. The Mets have had such a good year. I believe in Buck. I, I tell you every time how much I truly love Alonzo. I keep referencing it. It was the Sunday game. The Yankees played late. Uh, two outs. Alonzo was on second. Uh, and someone hits a flare. And Alonzo is scoring on that RBI single and running, running harder than you'll see a lot of MLB players run. And that matters, man. It, it really does. Um where where are you at with the Mets and the Dodgers? Are you waiting to see where everyone's at come October? If they played today for seven, is it is it Mets because they got the two dudes, or is it because right now the Dodgers rotation? As we talk about all these National League teams with the name power, the Dodgers have the guys with the numbers: Gonsolin, um, even Heen Dog, Shovin, Anderson. Uh, Urias, uh, he has the name power and, and, and deservedly so, but, um, I don't know, like where, when those, you look at those two teams, what's kind of the, the differentiators. Yeah. It's Scherzer to Grom. I believe in the Mets. Uh, I think the Mets are the best team, uh, for any series. Obviously the Dodgers are proven to be the best team overall, but when it comes to playoff time, like you can't a Scherzer to Grom. The Scherzer is a guaranteed Hall of Famer, and Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher by head and shoulders above everybody else. If just watch him. Like, even reading his lines doesn't do justice to what he's capable of doing. Like, you're like, oh, a 96-mile-an-hour slider, he's throwing 102, but it's nasty. I think it's just – you until you see it, it's one of those things like um, – I saw the Burj Khalifa, the world's tallest building, and I've seen pictures of it, and it was, like, amazing. I was like, wow. And then I saw it in person on my honeymoon, and I was like, whoa. It's like one of those things that doesn't hit you until you see it, like, in context. That's how good Jacob deGrom is. That's how much better he is than everyone else on the planet. And so when you put those two in a playoff series where you're probably going to have to face both of them twice to win, I'm going to pick that team every time. Yeah, man, that that's where I, you know, I, I remember fired up the the you me Moylan chat, you know, f- players only. One and, of my favorites. And, and was, <laughs> it's a good late night chat. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, there was some Mets Braves. I think that's right when the Braves had snuck up. They kind of got they got a half game back, and then the Mets pushed them back down, which I found that very impressive. I I know schedules and stuff tie into baseball probably more than we talk about, or or at least we try to talk about more. But the fact that the Mets kept them down there, that's kind of important to not see the standing swap. And now it's back to three and a half with Scherzer going. And yeah, man, I I think the DeGrom thing, kind of like you're saying, because now we've become numb to the 100-mile-per-hour fastball, which is disgusting in its own right. Um, And even a breaking pitch that, you know, low 90s. The fact that he, (laughs) it's under control. It's like he's, he's pitching with that. It's not like, this is so good, try your best up there. By the way, I might hit you once. Like, he's he's just under such control that, yeah, I don't know if you have to see them for seven and you've got to see those guys four times. I don't, And that's ignoring Chris Bassett. That's ignoring Cookie Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, or whoever else uh, may be there by the end. 
the Mets are so real, and and I I don't have to mention Buck again and how much I love him, but God, they're they're yeah. real. Uh, they're real. They're the real deal. They're fun to watch too. They play really good defense. They don't make mental mistakes on the base paths or defensively. They're always like playing good brand of baseball. And Buck Showalter, that's the guy. He's got him locked in. Eddie Escobar, uh, Bassett, all these guys have took what was like a really messed up 2021 season and refocused it. Like the this year, Chicago White Sox, who who may have figured it out. They're on a little heater. Uh, that team over there and their dysfunction reminds me of what the Mets were in 2021. So to see what Buck Showalter and the guys that they brought in this year have done for them and see how good they play every day, they don't play letdowns. Like they don't play down to their competition. They just show up and play Mets style baseball each and every day. And that's the ultimate compliment from, from me is to watch them go out there and they're still beatable. Like the Braves are the real deal. The Braves are a legit world series contender and they put it to the Mets two days in a row because they're that good. And baseball's crazy. Uh, But uh, to me, the Mets are the most complete team in, in the national league. It's, I mean, Buck's attention to detail, Mr. Smile, Frankie Lindor, that energy. Eddie Escobar is, you know, renowned as one of the more fun dudes in clubhouse guys you need to have in baseball to get through 162. And Alonzo's little leaguer in him that's like, can you believe we get to play baseball? And, (laughs) like, I'm going to run as hard as I can. That stuff matters. And uh, you just... You can't quantify it on paper, but yeah, you can quantify it if you watch a lot of White Sox games and you watch a lot of Mets games, which, by the way, if those White Sox start to go, the AL gets a little more interesting. Um, you mentioned no let up from the Mets. Jerry, you're a New York sports media guy now. That's, you know, the team, the other team, my Yanks, <laughs> it seems like they let up a little bit. Um, that's got everyone in this office kind of in a little bit of a tizzy, but at the same time holding back because you know you you never want to say a team isn't trying in sports because that's what sports is about. The players are trying, but they're the team was not necessarily put in the best position to be successful. They're they're making sure guys' injuries are extra healed because you have built up such a division lead that you've earned that right. So there's you know that that's a privilege in itself, but at the same time. We're, we're coming up on 50-plus games of under 500 baseball uh, for the New York Yankees that we're, you know, we're chasing 98, and we go out every day to win, and we hate losing. And it's like, well, you turn that switch off. So uh, I hope you can turn that on, and they should be, and I think they will in like a month, and we'll say, wow, the Yankees went on one of those 21-6 and six runs. Can you believe it? But I, I guess from your perspective, is there anything else you're seeing, Jerry, or, or feels different? Uh, I worry, I've worried about the Yankees for the last couple of weeks. I, they're still a great team. Uh, Aaron judge is unbelievable. Like I wish we talked about Aaron judge more the chase, uh, for, you know, getting into the sixties and the home runs like the Roger Maris chase down. I feel it. I, I love it. Um, I root for Aaron judge. I'm a big fan. Uh, but I've been worried about them, especially in the bullpen when Michael King went down. That was tough. Where all this Chapman was scuffling, we didn't know what he looked like. And Clay Holmes isn't proven; he isn't a proven entity back there for the longevity. And you're seeing a little bit of those uh, ruffled feathers because it's a mental game, man. Baseball is crazy. Um, I've been there. My whole 2018, I struggled. My freshman year in college, it was you know similar wild things. So I've been through that mental struggle. Uh, but you guys have a good roster. Yeah, you found a, a diamond in the rough in Matt Carpenter. So hopefully he comes back. What what's his status? Man, he was six to eight weeks uh with a fractured foot, I believe. And the eight weeks put him like a I week or two out. The last week of the regular season because we got Ooh. the extra week from the lockout. So I mean what becomes interesting is A, where you're at in life in the Matt Carpenter story where he he didn't know if he'd get a shot. He got a shot, and he took advantage to it. And being a mustache man, he was like, you're not done with me. I will be back. I, I think the thing that probably changed is he was playing some right field or corner outfield. And I, you know, just Matt Carpenter at, at his point in his career, I, I maybe I'd rule that out. But, like, you know, could he stand in the box and hit and get around the bags kind of you know, not a la Schwarber World Series style, but in a way, yeah, I think he could do that. I, I just think 
you know, outfield and coming off a fractured foot and not being an outfielder for the past 10 years, that seems like a tall task. Um, but no, I mean, that, that gets overlooked. Stanton's been out. Carpenter has the best 100-plus plate appearances of any baseball player, ne- batting behind the guy who's got a chance to break the AL home run record. So they are missing a lot of the pieces, and, and people do get... Um, you want to ignore that because you still believe in the Yankees and the pinstripes and the guys on the field. But yeah, man, it's uh, people are losing their minds over here. Uh, they, they should be a little bit worried because this is a, like you said, this is a sustained stretch of mediocre baseball that they've been playing. They kind of had uh, all of their pieces fall apart at the same time, though, with with health. Uh, with the bullpen going down, they had some some shaky starts here and there, uh, and so it kind of that's what baseball does to you. This isn't this is what the marathon season looks like for everybody. They all go through lulls. They all have bad luck with with injuries and whatnot. Uh, but ultimately, they are a good team. They're going to come together. You have you're going to have to rely on Garrett Cole to, to step up and and right the ship uh, and step into that true ace you know, roll and, and just be like, look, this is where everything stops. Boom. And then just go from there and and lead the way. Uh, and then just let everybody get healthy. Don't rush Stanton back because yeah. of his Achilles. Let him come back healthy. Let Donaldson come back and return to form a little bit. Maybe give him a day. Uh, and DJ LeMayhew, like missing him in the lineup, yeah. missing him in the field really hurts. Uh, the world's biggest second baseman ever in DJ. Yeah. Uh, the guy is a, an amazing bat-to-ball skill set, uh, and that makes your lineup so much better because he can just get on base and 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 create havoc. So yeah, and I I guess that's one of the, you know the the Yankees and I I I'm using Rizzo as the example. He doesn't necessarily deserve it because I mean he's Anthony Rizzo. Like he's he's been through a lot of battles. Um, that you know his. I think there was a, you know, that 0-0 game that was 13 innings in Seattle. He he went on the field that day, did a full warm-up, and was like, I'm good to go, and they're going to play me tomorrow. And I, I just think, you're right with Stan. Make sure that dudes are, if he's injured enough to put on the injured list, bring him back when he's right. Like, there's, that's it. I, I think the Yankees, because we've seen them make tweaks in recent years to their analytics or how the front office works, I think they will one day do a little bit more of like, well, if Anthony Rizzo can play, play him. Because there might be a time when he gets hurt. And like you're saying, LeMahieu just happened, and Yankee fans have kind of ignored that. He was getting on base for like two months at like a 450 clip in front of Judge while he's going to break the home run record. So now you're saying DJ LeMahieu, Matt Carpenter with the best 100-plus at-bats this year, Giancarlo Stan. Yeah, when you put all that in the bucket, you're missing half a team. Um, but that's not how us Yankee fans like to think. And, and rightfully so. You guys, the Yankees fans have earned the right to expect a team. You know, you gave them the benefit of the doubt for a week, for two weeks. But this has been a, a stretch of, of weird baseball. And then when you have the health go down, like they have the the holes in your lineup that you guys have been talking about that's been covered up by the top end of your lineup uh at shortstop you know with Aaron Hicks in the outfield these guys that haven't been hitting even Donaldson um they become yeah. glaring holes and it becomes infuriating for a fan to be like I told you guys we were you know Aaron Judge and LeMahieu and Rizzo at 33 years old has been a revelation for me. I, I like that guy. I love rooting for him. I didn't know he had this left in the tank. And so yeah. I want him to be hundred percent healthy. I actually like the front office and the medical staff's approach with him. I'll tell you when you're ready because you are older. Now, any ball players like uh, at 90% were like, put us out there. Right. But uh, for the, for the front office to be like, Hey, take a deep breath. We're going to put you out there at 100%. We don't want you to have a nagging thing for a while because you're older now. And so uh, I think that how good is this Oswaldo guy that you've been talking about for a long time? Tell me a little bit about him. So, Jerry, so a couple moving parts here. Um, so, A, Talking Yanks, Ryan Rucco came on yesterday. Who He's awesome dude. Awesome dude. Um, and he, uh, you know, it's it's always funny when we have, you know, some of the more traditional – media people that have been, you know, grinding through that for years, they're built for it. They, like, he went to college to, 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 like, hone his craft at this, this industry. 
And he was so beautiful and eloquent about it, saying how, you know, Estevan Florial just gets called up. Um, and this was before he did. And it's, um, you know, he's had a great year. He's this toolsy guy Yankee fans have talked about for years. You know, it, he can do it all, right? And he's having a great year in the minor leagues. He's got like an 850 OPS, something like that, Biebs. So I think his like career AAA numbers are in the nines OPS. So like he's, you know, it's, he's 20. And that's the IL, but that's crazy. And he's, you know, 24. And like it, the whole thing was like, if this guy gets reps and can recognize pitches, like he, he has all of the tools. Um, and it, so it looks like it's kind of happening in AAA. Um, so Ryan Rucco goes, you know, hey, a couple things. He's like, Look at the strikeout numbers, um, and he he's still the strikeouts are crazy. I think it's like one twenty two in like eighty something games. So like he's so I have I have Cabrera's numbers on my mind. Florial has an OPS in the eights this year. In the eights, um, so he's he's still getting punched out a lot, which you know AAA to major league. That's uh you know that's something you circle. He's also been BBD pointing this out. Uh, Florial's been struggling recently. He's he's in a in a little bit of a funk since their like all star break. break. So, are you calling up an outfielder, a young kid, while Yankee fans are talking about their team needing saving, who's going to be there for a couple weeks? Because also, Stan's supposed to come back. Harrison Bader is now in the mix. That what, are you really putting this guy in an opportunity, or are you setting him up for failure? So, and, and Florio's had a couple of coffees with the Yankees, so we kind of know who he is, and... I think that's its own situation. And by the way, he gets called up basically mid-game yesterday. So there's two, two there's two Oswaldos. There's Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera, both middle infielders. Peraza's the bigger prospect. He's the one that everyone's been screaming about. Before this, and it's not the guy getting called up. Not the guy getting called up. What are you guys doing? So I will say this. Before the season, and it – because their names are so similar, we did a lot of, you know, let's see an Oswald this year. I don't, you know, whichever kid wins it, like, let's go. And I will say this, Cabrera's numbers are are pretty electric, especially recently, um, and against right-handed pitching. So I... Switch hitter is fun. And he can, that's he's fair. a little, he's a little more versatile, and that's where DJ gets hurt. Um, the Yankees' third base situation is more up in the air than it's been, Um I still very much want to see Peraza, the other kid. Um, the thing that now hurts me is it's August 17th, man. And we saw a crop of rookies come up this year between Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez and, and some of the other dudes around this league. Some clicked instantly. Michael Harris, too. I mean, he clicked so well that he's got 80-plus million coming no matter what happens the rest of the way. Like, good for you, dude. Good for you. Julio, Bobby Witt, 98% of rookies that have ever gotten the call, you struggle the first little bit that I feel like the Yankees kind of missed their boat on their kids this year. And and that's honestly my biggest frustration because I can't tell you uh, Cabrera is, is – is the solution to the Yankees. I can't tell you Peraza is the solution to the Yankees. I would have been curious to find out because I know the Braves have tried and it's worked out pretty damn good when they do. And the other one that hurts me a little bit is that, and you can't do this because it's not how it works, but it's just what's in my brain. The Houston Astros called up their young young shortstop prospect to start the season to find out what they got. They like him and he's good. I'm not saying Peraza is that. They are ranked in similar areas. Um, and the kid's doing well recently in the minors, too, that I thought you should have found out. If they're waiting for now to find out, I mean, that's just a dangerous game because you know Josh Donaldson. If he's starting to lose playing times to kids in September, I, I don't know where he's going to be at. Um, IKF, um, the way he plays, you can see the mental side uh, is comes and goes for him. When he's feeling good, he's feeling good. When he's not, he's not. And you could say that for a lot of baseball players. So I'm, you know, that's that's not shots fired. But if you took that starting shortstop job away from IKF right now, you might lose him for the year. If you bench Donaldson to a kid, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, man. So that's where that's where I think the Yankees thought their injury bug that they're kind of having now was going to happen in June or May. 
and they could throw the kids in there and see what happens. I don't think that ever happened, and now we're sitting here playing the, the I don't know game. So, yeah, that's frustrating. That's, that adds to the frustration of Yankees fans because you've seen something like this, anticipating it coming at some point this season, and you wanted to have one of your one of your guys come up and get a sustained look um again you you talked about michael harris what he's been able to do that what that's what they could have done uh with your boy peraza they could have brought him in batted him eighth or ninth and just said look the rest of the lineup's going to carry you get your feet wet get your confidence you're going to be here you're going to you're going to i'm going to give you two months uh as long as you're playing defense uh of just learning what it takes to be a big leaguer. And he could have done that on a contending team that didn't need him to produce like the Braves did. Um, like hopefully this is like Brett Beatty's getting called up for the Mets because of some injuries. This is the perfect scenario for him because he's going to play and he's going to sit up there and he's going to bat bottom of the order and he doesn't have to produce. He's going to be uh, just a guy at the end that's filling in. And that's the perfect way to get your feet wet and a cup of coffee. They, the, the team's not leaning on you to be the savior or to fill in and you're going to get booed because you're batting in a big position. That would have been nice. The, unfortunately, they didn't do that for your, for your guys. So I understand the frustration. I felt like Yankees fans have been waiting for this kind of moment to, to just vent a little bit because I felt like you're victims to your own success You've won so many games in spite of some of the things that you should have been doing. So this is like you're allowed to let it out now. It's the it's let's see what happens because they've had yeah. an incredible season and you, you don't want to. But do I think that they won? <laughs> it sounds so dumb, Jerry. That's why I can't say it. They won a lot of games and like you, you phrased it right. It covered up some of the other blemishes at the time that they said, well, we don't need to address this. Look how many games we're winning. Like it's, uh, it makes well, sense. Well, I'll add, I'll add a little bit of fuel to your fire with trading <laughs> Montgomery when you guys needed more starting pitching depth. Like that was a weird thing that happened. Uh, and you guys are like, wait, what? There's something else that has to be coming, right? Like there's gotta be yes. another big move. And then you're just you're confused. You you see some holes and nothing has been plugged in the way that you thought it was going to happen. And so there's there's a lot of question marks in the air. Noted what I I think if I had to sum it up in one sentence was they for a while like through most of July up until the All Star break they had the goal of being as good as they could be this regular season, and they were. And the rest of the division also kind of didn't carry their weight. Like the Blue Jays, they were the favorites in the division to start the year. The Rays are raising. Uh, the Orioles are better. The Red Sox are worse. But uh, the division as a whole, you, you thought there was going to be another scary, scary team, which maybe by the end there will be. It felt like up into the All-Star break, it was be as good as we can be this this season, win every day, win every series, you know, Win the win the road trips, dominate the homestands, and then since the All Star break, it's been get ready for October, and that's just it's a dangerous game. It's it's a dangerous game. It, it is, but you guys are good. The yes. Yankees are good enough to be able to do this. And if everything, if their plan, like Cashman's been great for how long? I've been yeah. watching him on the Captain. Like that show was incredible, <laughs> even as a as a not. Yankee fan like I, that's my that was my era of coming up you know in high school and then obviously playing that was awesome and Cashman was in the middle of all that so this guy knows more than we do yes uh, he's preparing the team to win in October you're allowed to be frustrated you're allowed to to shout out some of the holes that you see as a fan but ultimately are they doing things the right only only time will tell because if all of the health comes Rizzo Carpenter uh John Carlo these guys come back and you get healthy Clay Holmes gets right mentally Chapman has looked incredible since coming back these things you know uh, is um uh who's the the Orioles closer oh Bautista no no uh Lopez? lefty what's oh, that Zach Britton Britain is isn't yeah. he coming back soon? He's supposedly. 
So if the all yeah. these pieces return and you guys get that with a little bit of uh, some young guy might come up and spark and become uh, a piece of this, it might just fall. And it seems like all the dominoes might fall right into place. And the Yankees could be, you know, adding another banner at some point. It's still it's still very much possible. But you're in the middle of some mediocre baseball that's that's hard to watch. Yeah. And the uh, the funny thing. Another one of the funny ones that got me yesterday, and it's a shout-out to Cashman. Everyone, Aaron Hicks missed the ball in center field, so everyone's screaming center field, center field, Florial, this, that, and the other. You know, that guy in the Montgomery trade that got back, Harrison Bader, I think that's a guy Yankee fans could really like because um, he supposedly covers ground with the best of them in center, and I think he runs into one or two. So who knows how that dude fits the puzzle um, if they can navigate it with their starting pitching, which, like you said, it didn't seem necessary. But, you know, if if everything's healthy and good come October, then Harrison Bader could be more important than Jordan Montgomery was, and that would be like, wow, it, you know what you're doing, man. Yeah, I actually can't wait to see Bader in pinstripes. You know, he's a, a semi-local boy. Yeah. And he rocks one of the coolest gloves in the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, the Statue of Liberty glove is so badass. Like, uh, between that and Jazz Chisholm's, like, ice cream cone glove, <laughs> yeah. those are my two favorites in the show. The uh, Yeah, you, th- you think Yankee fans might like the local kid that tracks down balls in center field, plays with his well, hair on fire, and has a Statue of Liberty He plays with his hair on fire, glove. absolutely. I mean, God. Yeah, that uh, I could see that working out. Um, Jerry, I think you, you're going to baseball today right now, right? I am. I'm going live on wow. baseball today here in a few minutes. Blevins filling Day. In, filling in for uh, Mr. Rose. Big shoes. Whoa. That's tough, man. That's tough. Did Ploof Players write up only, the questions? Though. Players only. That's fair. Yeah, uh, Ploofy hooked it up. Okay. Uh, yeah, Trev's ready. Because I know, I mean, when Rosie does it, he's like, here's the five questions, and you get them, and you're like, okay, this is this is easy. Trev did that. He he hooked it up. Wow. I got the email late last night, uh, all prepared, got the notes ready to go. That show, man. That Trev's show. the real deal, dude. That show. Jerry, you're the real deal, man. I always love talking to you. Um, everyone, If go check out Shea Station. Some big episodes coming up. Oh, dude, you haven't even done, like, postseason like Shea Station. We're, we're, we're just now oh. uh, starting to look towards that schedule. I'll be in the city this weekend doing pre and post game. I'll come in into the office on Friday uh, for Shea here. Station. So we got to get together. Good news. I won't be here. Um, so I'm sorry. Are you got another vacation or something? What are you doing? I, uh, I, I said it at the start of this. I do an annual... I do an annual fantasy football golf trip with with. Oh, gotcha! Enjoy, dude. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll be in and out a lot this September, and then you know the Mets make the playoffs. I'll be doing a lot of pre and post game stuff on SNY in the city, so you'll be seeing hopefully a lot more of me, and I get to see that beautiful face of yours. That's the dream, baby. That's the dream, Jerry Blevins. Thank you. Good luck on baseball today. Just wash Trevor. Just put him under the table, dude. Oh, I love Trev. We're gonna we're gonna be a good duo here. Fastball in under the hands. He still all, all can't day get long. there. He's still all day. Then there. I'll then I'll throw a backdoor curveball that he's gonna give up on immediately. He's gonna punch out looking, and he's gonna put his head down on the way to the dugout. Yeah, just start taking off the the pads. Just oh, yeah, I'm gonna right. throw it. I'll throw it so far outside that he'll he'll drop his bat and get ready. Yeah. And I'll be walking towards the dugout before the ball gets to the catcher. <laughs> <laughs> Someone get Trevor's glove. He's going to need it. <laughs> I'm, it I'm team Trevor on that. I bring my glove too. <laughs> Jerry, thank you, dude. I'll thank talk you, to Jake. you soon. Take it easy. BBD. Brother. Later, guys. See you, Jerry. King Beebs. That was Jerry Blevins. Um, awesome. What a treat. Didn't talk too much Brett Beatty, but we talked enough Brett Beatty and a lot of baseball. Um, thank you, Jerry. Everyone. Per usual, the John Boy Media rules. Tweet at Jerry. Tell him how awesome he was and how much we loved him. Um, We can probably wrap it up. I mean, the only other baseball things I'd mention, uh, watch out for the White Sox. They just took um, two games against uh, the Houston Astros. They beat Verlander. Um, They're winners of five straight. They're one game back of the Central, and they are one game back of the wild card. So the Chicago White Sox, who have been out in a joke of this season, they might be back in. 
Um, I think we got to wrap it up because I think I have an 1130 thing too. Do you have a bro or anything, Biebs? Uh, shout out Gibby. Okay. Matched his career high in strikeouts in a single game last night. He punched out 11. Let me get it. And I'll get a quick comment of the day. We deserve it because it was a huge ep last time. You guys are the best. Uh, let's see. You got to wake it before you bake it. Uh, nobody really knows what's happening. Oh, it's a lot of it's a lot of Tatis comments. Yeah. Mm. Um, and by the way, uh, me and Trev kind of accidentally. How about this? Alessandro Sanchez said, "Big Noah McFly fan." Um, and Same. I think we all are. I think we all are. Um, yeah, me and Trev stumbled into on talking baseball uh, a lot more Tatis talk because there's more coming out with Poppy and Pedro and all of that. Every day um, there's some new quote about it that feels like you got to talk about it. Yeah, it's 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 a huge thing. We, it's didn't, a huge we didn't even thing. get Pedro's thing, and he was talking last night. It's a massive, massive thing with baseball. So, hey, thank you to Jerry Blevins. Thank you guys for waking and Jake and watch everything on John Boy Media. I mentioned talking baseball, talking Yanks yesterday. The weekly dumb. Zach Esposito on the ones and twos. Talking Giants is rolling. Farm to fame. They had on Winton. Winton Bernard. Right? The Rocky who got called up. That's really cool stuff. Rose rotation is always good. Everything. today is happening in a sec. If you want more Jerry Blevins, if you're addicted to Jerry Blevins. Rocky tonight. Episode from yesterday with Ruko. Dog days, people. Thank you. I love you. Keep baking the algorithm. Let's have a great week. Love. Jake sucks. <laughs>